Hey mama, are you struggling to find time for everything that matters to you? Maybe you're working or running a business or volunteering or trying to follow another passion while still loving your family and you're struggling with it or you're not going after something that you really want for yourself because you don't think you have time. I get it. I was there and I found a path out that I've shared with clients over the years. So I've created a free video for you to watch to give you that first step to kickstart you into finding time for what matters most to you and to be able to do it without the guilt and the stress. So just pop on over to sandyfowler.com backslash find dash time and you can grab that free video and that will get you moving in the direction that you want to go. Welcome to Mighty Parenting, the podcast with real, raw, and relevant talk about raising teens and parenting young adults. Welcome to Mighty Parenting, a community where we help you raise teens and parent 20-somethings so they can become happy, successful, and emotionally healthy adults. I'm Sandy Fowler, stress relief coach, emotional wellness speaker, and host of the Mighty Parenting podcast, reminding you to go to mightyparenting.com to get your free email series, How to Talk to Your Teen. Speaking of talking, today we are talking. We are having an important conversation. We're going to talk about vaping. This is something I've wanted to cover for a while. It's been out there a number of years, and I know that there's confusion around it. And so today we're going to learn a bit about the ins and outs, some of the truths and the myths. Most importantly, we're going to find out what it means to our teens, what they're thinking about it and why they're doing it. Helping us sort through all of this information is Dr. Candy Walker. Dr. Walker is a professor at the University of Louisville. For over 20 years, she's been exploring the intersection between health and interpersonal communication. And her latest work investigated tobacco use, e-cigarettes, and vaping from a youth perspective. She's going to be chatting with us about that today. Dr. Walker, thank you for joining us and welcome to Mighty Parenting. Thank you for having me today. I'm looking forward to talking with you. So vaping, juuling, e-cigs, I think it's a little confusing sometimes for parents. We don't necessarily know, are there differences? Are these the same things? So maybe before we dig into what our kids are doing and why, we could just clarify what these different things are. Absolutely. Let's just get into some definitions. So that way we're all on the same page moving forward. So when we're talking about vaping, we're actually talking about the act of inhaling and exhaling an aerosol that is produced by an electronic vapor device. It heats up a liquid, it heats up the liquid ingredients, and then that's what you inhale and exhale. Um, and most of our teens and 20-somethings are doing juuling. And so they've even flipped the language system from vaping to juuling. So if you could think about the way that we use um, a Kleenex for a tissue or a Xerox for a copy, this is how they interchange juuling with a vape. 
So they are Juuling, which is a product um, called Juul. And Juul is very, very um, savvy in the way that they've marketed their product. It looks like an Apple product, so it's very um, technologically um, advanced. It looks very modern, so it's very appealing to youth. So um, we're seeing more youth and 20-somethings use a jewel and jeweling. So when we hear the word jewel, jeweling, vape, vaping, a lot of these terms are used interchangeably now that even if you're not using a jewel product, some people will often say, well, they're jeweling just because that's the language system they know around vape and vaping products. Okay, so those two actually are the same thing. Are e-cigarettes yeah. different? No, e-cigarettes are right in line with that. E-cigarettes, were what we first, when it first came on the market, that's what we were calling everything. And e-cigarettes came around 2006. So this is a fairly new product. Um, and e-cigarettes, we've called them ends, we've called them mods. And the mods came right after the e-cigarette phase because mods were taking an e-cigarette and modifying it so that you could get the best hit off of it or the best puff off of it um, to get the sensation that you were looking for. So people would often talk about their tank systems and modifying or mod using a mod. So e-cigarettes, mods, vaping, jewel, they're all in that same category, that same family of products. Okay. So there are nuances of differences, but as we're talking about it and the impact on health, the way our kids think about it, it's all the same. So it doesn't matter which terminology we're using. No, it does not matter what terminology we're using. The only thing that I would suggest is that we are, when we talk about Juul, we do have some very specific nicotine levels that we're talking about when we talk about Juul. But for the most part, they are interchangeable and we use, kids will use them interchangeably. In the research community, we really do try to um, decipher if we're talking about an e-cigarette or if we're talking about Juul. But they all fall under the umbrella of vaping. Okay. And let's just go. At the core of this, at the very top level, is this harmful to our kids? Yes, emphatically yes, absolutely yes. Um, if we're talking about just nicotine, I'm not talking about all of the other chemicals that we see that are in um, an e-cig, a vape. Um, we just talk about the nicotine this nicotine turns on our pleasure, um, pleasure systems in our brain. And our youth have developing brains. Our 20-somethings have developing brains. And we know that nicotine is more addictive to youth in 20-somethings because their brain is still developing. So the addictive nature of the nicotine is worse for um, this population. So if nicotine turns on those pleasure systems in the brain, that's why they're like, oh, this is so good. Oh, I need more, I need more. But what they don't realize is over the long term, that repetitive use depletes those reward systems. So they need more and more and more to get the nicotine high that they were used to when they first started. And is it different than from cigarettes? Yes. So if we're looking at a comparison, and this is what we've done in the research, like when it first came on the market, E6 came, first came on the market, there was lots of comparison. Should this be a product that's used for cessation? And lots of people have used it for cessation purposes. But what we now know is that people are addicted to E6, to vaping. So 
um, cigarettes and e-cigs have different chemicals that are going to be released in them. And originally we thought, oh, e-cigs must be so much better for us. Now, comparatively, perhaps they are a little bit better for us. Better being they're not healthy, they're just not as harmful, but they are not healthy. And there's lots of chemicals that are being released when you heat this the liquid up. And so once you heat the liquid up, now you're creating different chemicals uh, reactions. So you may have a formaldehyde, you may have, um, you may be inhaling metal, you may be inhaling nickel. You There are different chemicals that once they are heated up and you inhale, they're getting into your blood system. And we don't really know what the impact of all those chemicals are. I, I would assume that the research would be primarily looking at the nicotine in cigarettes versus the nicotine in the e-cigarettes. Right. So that's where most of the research um, starts is with the nicotine. Um, one, because we know how harmful it is. And we know that that is part of the addictive nature of these products is the nicotine is what gets the, um, the children and adolescents and youth and teen addicted. Um, let me give you an example. If we know that nicotine is addictive, if we look at one pod, like Juul is a pod system. So one Juul is the equivalent of about a pack of cigarettes, the nicotine in a pack of cigarettes. So if kids are using their pod, their Juul, they are getting more nicotine than if they were smoking. So smoking is really harmful, but we're seeing some really bad harmful effects with Juul as well. Okay, so I'm just thinking about this for a minute and going, so this is a, I'm trying to process what that actually means in our bodies. So because they're taking in that much nicotine all at once, it's a, a more intense experience for them. Absolutely. It's more, it's, it's a very intense experience for them and it creates, um, well, nicotine can create a high for you. Um, you often see teens that are vaping that when they initially start they want to decrease their caffeine because they are they're jittery and they're they're they almost like they have an upper and once they've used it for a while that decreases and they start needing more and more other substances like caffeine to help increase that high we also know that with um, e-cigarettes, with jewels, that there's a lot of lung-related sickness now. We know that vaping will turn off the immune system in our lungs, and it makes it harder for them to clear up. So we're starting to see things like Evoli, which is a specific lung and a set of lung diseases, lung infections um, that are specific to using um, e-cigarettes and vaping. So Evoli, E-V-A-L-I, um, is for e-cigarettes, vaping, associated lung um, illness. So we're looking at certain illnesses just associated with vaping. And I think that's probably one of the places that, or one of the areas of this that kind of messes people up is you go, well, there's no smoke. You know, in cigarettes, you have smoke and you're inhaling smoke. And as you said, this is a fairly new product. So initially we didn't know what this would do to their lungs, but this sounds like it's at least as serious as the oh, smoke from cigarettes. It's, um, there's research that still says cigarettes are worse. Um, but we do know that 
once when they first came on the product and everybody was using this vapor, they were like, oh, it's just water vapor. And we didn't have the research to support that it wasn't just water vapor. And now that we know that the the vape, the smoke, the clouds that are produced from vaping have a lot of harmful um, chemicals in them. Yeah, I remember back in the earlier days of this, my daughter was in high school and um, a friend of hers came over and they were outside and he had some type of vaping device. And my kids, no, there's no way. I actually, maybe it was right after they graduated because maybe they were 18 at the time. I think that's what it was. It was after they graduated high school because they were 18. So there's this, well, they're legal adults and they know there's no smoke in my house. That's Mm -hmm. not happening. And there was this, oh, well, it's just water vapor. And as a parent, I, I still said no, but I didn't feel like I had a ground to stand on in that moment. It was like, not that I can't say no just because it's my house, but we like to make our rules based on evidence that, yeah, well, evidence and, and our rules are really just about health, safety, wellness, concern, respect. And so, you know, you kind of sitting there going, well, I don't know. I don't know what this thing is and I don't know what it does. And how do I establish rules around this? And especially when you were talking about people who are actually adults who are not my child, you know? Right, <laughs> right. Like, how do you change that? Because you can't just call up their parents and say, hey, I know that this um, teen is now an adult and I can't call you about it, but let me tell you what's happening. Um, and honestly, we didn't know. Their research really lagged um, on e-cigarettes for a while. We were collecting information, we were collecting information so that when we did come out with a statement and said, yes, e-cigarettes are harmful, we could have support for that statement. So as a parent, you can see like the research community was confused. So of course parents are gonna be confused as well. Like, and let me just add to the confusion. We have e-cigarette companies and shops that are saying, please use e-cigarettes. You should use e-cigarettes. They are a healthy choice. They will help you get off cigarettes. Um, this is a healthy alternative to cigarettes. We did a study looking at going into vape shops and just looking at the messages that customers would receive it when they walked in, either from someone that was working there or from what was on their wall, their posters, their messaging. An overarching theme of all the messages was, this is a healthy lifestyle. This is a healthy choice. We are making you healthier by getting you off cigarettes and and having you vape. Now let's fast forward a little bit with the research. And we now know that a lot of the people that are trying to get off of cigarettes by vaping end up being dual users, meaning that they end up being a smoker who also uses vape or they vape and they also smoke. So there are some success cases where people have gotten off cigarettes by vaping, but it is more likely that you're going to see people become dual users. Interesting. Okay. So do you, I don't, I don't know if this might go outside the scope of your research. Do you know if the numbers of kids who are using e-cigarettes, vaping, juuling, wh- whichever word we want to use, whether that is the same or less or more than traditionally would begin smoking in, say, through the teen years? 
Let me just give you some of the facts that we know right now. So in 2017, we had about 2.1 million teens that were saying, yeah, I use and I use pretty regularly. Now from 2017 to 2020, we have nearly three and a half million teens that are using on a regular basis. Let me break that down even further. So we have nearly 20% of our high school students report that they are current e-cigarette users. That means that they are using on a regular basis. 20% of our high school, over 3 million kids. We know that traditional cigarettes in this population is going down, but e-cigarettes are going up. And it's, if we can even break it down even further, like for middle schoolers, we now know that there's over a half a million, over 550,000 middle schoolers who say they, they regularly use e-cigarettes in 2020. This is newer data. That's a lot of middle schoolers that are getting their hands on a product that should be for someone over the age of 21 in most states. So we're having a lot of middle school and high schoolers use this. Now, the good news is, they're not using cigarettes, but limit, here's the bad news. We know that if a student is using an e-cigarette, they're about five times more likely to eventually smoke cigarettes. That's, that's pretty significant. So it's, it's not, I've, we're hesitant to say it's a gateway, but we do know that there is an association with students, youth, teen who are vaping who eventually do smoke. Well, and that's interesting too, because I know when I was a teenager, one of the, one of the things that would help prevent you from smoking is you were going to smell like smoke. And so oh, your parents yeah. would know. And that was one of the appeals. Like there's a lot of appeals to the vaping. So one, you, it really, you can smell like cotton candy. You can smell like a thin mint. You can smell like what is, um, there's some crazy names and the crazy names are what's appealing. So it's novel. It's, it's new. It's modern. This is not what your parents did. This isn't what your grandparents did. This is new and exciting. We can even have games. We can have let's who can blow the best smoke or the clouds. We can have vape tricks. I mean, this is really appealing to our youth that we can do something. We can hide it really well. And we can have fun with it. And that's what's so scary about this product. Um, and the landscape of the products are changing so rapidly that research is having a hard time keeping up with it. Let me give you a couple of examples of what I'm talking about. When um, one of the appeals I talked about was that it can be hidden. It's a discrete product. I had a professor um, friend who was teaching a class and in class she had a student who was vaping and he was not blowing out clouds of smoke. He, he was absorbing it somehow. And she was like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm sorry. I was just taking a hit off my vape, my vape pen. And so she had to have a full discussion in her class. Can you vape in class. Now, technically he could. Now our campus is a tobacco-free campus. So vaping and e-cigarettes all fall under that tobacco umbrella. Another example is in high school that a lot of high school students like to wear hoodies, like with the string and they have a hood. Now they make vaping e-cigarettes that the 
um, compartment is in the, the strings of the hoodie. So instead of having two strings that pull your hoodie tight, you can just pull one of those strings and put it in your mouth and it works like a vape. So this product is novel and it can be hidden from parents. That's amazing. I know there was a, an event in my town. It was a number of years ago now when my girls were in high school. And they did, I forget what they called it, but it was, it was a kid's bedroom. And they had drug paraphernalia of various kinds, including vapes, in this setup. And as parents, we had to go through and try and identify things. And like you said, these things are so different and so discreet. We didn't know what they looked like. We didn't know what it was. And they weren't even this well hidden. Right. Right. You just weren't aware of what things looked like. Right. It's like some of the jewel products look like memory devices for a computer. Yes. They just look like a thumb drive or a flash drive, whatever that language is. And so you could just have it sitting on the table and parents wouldn't know. Absolutely. One quick question. You mentioned, you know, your campus is a tobacco-free zone. Do all of these devices use tobacco? I would assume since that is the addictive portion of it, that that's what the companies would put in. Well, that's where it gets a little tricky. Um, Juul has nicotine in it and a lot of nicotine, a lot of nicotine. Um, but if we start looking at people who are modding their devices, you can get nicotine-free liquid. It costs more. So most people look at it as a cross, um, the cost of it and they're like, eh, I'll just take the nicotine and wean myself off. But that rarely happens. It can happen, but it rarely happens. Um, I will also say that despite the nicotine, nicotine is where most of our research um, is, that the other dangerous compounds that are heated up, the medical particles and chemicals really do a lot of harm to your, to your immune system, to your cell membranes, to your mucous membranes. It, it really does a lot of damage. Okay. So regardless of where there's nic whether there's nicotine in it or not, it's harmful and it's damaging. And the nicotine is addictive yes. and it's taking in huge amounts. I still can't get over the idea that there's the same amount of nicotine in one jewel as there is in a whole pack of cigarettes. It's scary, right? Yeah, I, because I, well, and I also just realized I'm making an assumption because I really don't know anything about this, right? So when you say one jewel, I was assuming that's like one, one experience, one hit. One. Yeah. So it's um, a device that they, it's a pod. So it's a pod system. So it's self-contained and it will contain enough hits for depending on how many hits they make or how strong the hit, this is where it gets a little tricky in research. Like, is it a strong hit? Is it a slight hit? Is it most of the time what um, we see with people that really use Juul or e-cigarettes a lot, they're looking for a throat hit. So they inhale very deeply in a very strong way. So they get a throat hit. So they know that it's there. Okay. So we don't know how many hits are in a jewel. Like you, it would be like having a, a pack of cigarettes, and and you could have you could adjust how much tobacco was in any one particular. You could have all the tobacco in one cigarette and smoke it all at once, or you could have it spread out over the whole pack. Right. Okay. Right. All right. So, but I will say that a jewel does not last as long as a pack of cigarettes usually. 
Okay. Well, and, and when it's just there and it only takes a couple seconds to do right. this. Right. It's kind of like kids are drinking. It's like doing shots versus drinking a beer. It's the same right. amount of alcohol, but it goes a whole lot faster. Right. Well, let's, I mean, that's a great analogy. If you're looking at like the binge drinking, like I'm going to do a shot so I can get drunk. Um, this is the same thing that we could do with Juul that once we teens would think I'm just going to do a small hit and then I'll, I won't need it anymore. What happens is they do small hits over and over and over again because they need it more and more. Um, they're sensation seeking their, their brains are wired for that addiction. So like a cigarette, you can only smoke in certain places. And so you are smoking outside and then you come in. So from a cardiovascular perspective, you have a hard hit with a cigarette and then your body's able to recover a bit with Juul. We're seeing that there's a steady, pace of nicotine in your system at all time, which over the long haul is very harmful for your cardiovascular system. It is putting stress on your heart over the long haul. So instead of having any recovery time after the cigarette, if you're juuling and juuling can, you know, consistently, then you are just keeping your nicotine level at a certain level all the time. Yeah. And being so discreet, if a kid is struggling with controlling it, they could be doing this constantly. Absolutely. Because if the nicotine is affecting their brain function, it impacts their attention and impacts their memory. So they think they need it to maintain their level of sensation, their level of um, wherever they are on the addiction. It rewires, I will tell you, the nicotine rewires the brain so it craves it more. So when they say they are addicted, it is truly they are addicted. It is not that a product they may have just tried out of curiosity, they may have tried out of just being cool, tried out of, oh, I just want to see what this flavor's like. We haven't even talked about flavors. Um, then now they're addicted because their brain really did rewire itself for this addiction. Oh, oh, let me briefly just mention the flavoring. Well, before That's we go there, of, I just yeah. real quick, I want to clarify. Am I understanding you? What I when are you saying that if they try this once, their brain's already being rewired? I will say that we don't know that research yet. Okay. So if we look at, I can extrapolate from cigarette research. From cigarette research, we know that some people smoke one cigarette and they're addicted. It was just how they are wired. That's just how, who they are. We have other people in, we call them chippers. They can smoke for a really long time and they never become addicted. And what happens from a biological perspective is that they just haven't hit the threshold that's going to make them addicted yet, just based on their genetics. So with e-cigarettes, we just don't know. It could be one or two times and now they're hooked they're they're trying a hookah they're trying an e-cigarette they're trying all these different flavors mm -hmm. we don't know if it's going to be after the fifth time now they're addicted or if it's after the 20th time we don't have a solid grasp of that research yet so that's part of a conversation we need to have with our kids is you know because mm -hmm. some they might look at a friend and go well this friend's been doing it for weeks or months or years and they don't have a problem with it and you can say yes and we don't know what happens for you. Right. Okay. Absolutely. So yes, flavors. 
I, this is mind boggling to me. So tell us about flavors. Well, flavors is one of the reasons why people, it's one of the top reasons um, right under my friends are doing it and I want to try it too. Flavors is the second top reason that we see people are trying e-cigarettes. Um, it's because they want to try the fruit flavor. It's, I will give you like just a list of like where we see it. Fruit flavor is the number one choice. Then it's mint, menthol, and then candy or dessert type flavors. Uh, they'll have really fun names. They will taste like cotton candy. They will taste like their Snickers bar. They will taste like a Girl Scout cookie. And so they don't see the harmful effects because how could something that tastes fruity be harmful? And so if you look at cigarettes, it's like, oh, I just want to try a cigarette. And unless you're doing a menthol, most cigarettes, give or take, taste the same. But e-cigarettes, it's not the case. You're going to try, oh, I have never tried the chocolate flavor. I've never tried the pina colada. Ooh, let me try the dragon breath. So there, the appeal is in the names and in the flavoring. They're going to try it in different ways. Interesting. Okay, so let's Let's get in. We've mentioned a few things about why our kids are doing this, what they see in it, what the appeal is. Let's talk about that a little more. I mean, I'm assuming that part of this is growing up, pushing boundaries, trying things the same way that many of us tried smoking in high school or college or whatever. There's that growing up experience where somehow we all think that, you know, breaking the rules is, is what is part of being an adult. Does that come into play here as well? Absolutely, it does. Absolutely. You've hit on all of the main reasons that we see that there's an appeal for vaping. The discreetness, they can, they think it's cool and modern. They're doing something that is just for their generation or they see other people doing and they want to do it. They're curious. The peer pressure of seeing friends or family doing it. I, I will also, the, the flavoring, um, and the ability that it becomes a it, remember parlor tricks like oh let me show you this trick that i can do so it becomes a conversation piece so if we're looking at teens who sometimes report being anxious in social settings or um, not always knowing what to say hey i've got a trick i can show you a trick or let me see that trick it's a conversation point so now we have a point of interest that gets them hooked because it gives them something to talk about that's kind of a scary thing to me as I'm thinking about that. Our kid who feels socially awkward or mm -hmm. who maybe is having some emotional issues or just really has that real need to belong, they're yeah. already at risk. And then they're adding in this device, which is going to hijack their brain. And oh, yeah. Is there an impact? Uh, have, do you know if there is any, has there any, have there been any studies done yet on impact of mental health? Yes. So um, it is an area that's growing. First, we were just looking at what's the, you know, what is the biological impact and why are um, people doing this? Now we're looking at the association of um, depression and anxiety hooked with cigarette smoking and um, juuling and e-cigarettes. There's a long history that 
um, people with depression or anxiety, there's an association with higher cigarette use. We are now starting to see that with vaping as well, that those that have a higher propensity for depression or anxiety are starting to look for ways to um, increase their dopamines, increase their endorphins. Um, and that's what this product will do. It makes them temporarily happy because of that nicotine, that, that increase, it, it hits those receptors that increases our dopamine and, um, allows us to feel a little bit happier in a moment. Well, temporarily, then, I should say temporarily, because after a while, these, um, reward systems are depleted and it doesn't work as well. And that definitely goes back to our kids who are, are struggling in whatever way or whatever capacity. We've talked about this before when we've discussed a drug addiction and we hear stories from parents. Um, Judy shared the story of her son when he was young, he broke his arm and I think it was broke his arm. He had a serious injury and they'd given him painkillers and she gave him the first painkiller and he was like, oh, this is great. All the pain is gone. And mm -hmm. he was a little kid at the time. He was in elementary school. So mom was like, great. You know, his arm doesn't hurt anymore. Right. And in right. hindsight, once he was in college and they discovered he was an addict and had attempted suicide, they really, you know, she goes back and, and you're going through your life. And she's like, oh my gosh, he was talking about the emotional pain. I mean, yes, the physical pain, but the real relief he found was the emotional pain. Because after that, even as a young child, he had started seeking out opportunities to get a hold of alcohol or whatever. And so I can see where when our kids are struggling emotionally or socially, that this would be a very big draw. Not only can it help them be more accepted socially? As you said, they, they can do the, they can have this conversation piece. They might have the cool new flavor. They might, they might be able to do the blow the right kind of vapor or whatever. That is. Right. No, you got it. Yeah. In, a, in addition to that, it's taking away that pain for a little bit. Absolutely. It masks it. Absolutely. It sure does. I like that masks it. All right. So, Great information, and we could keep going on this. And as parents, what we really want to know is, what do we do? Well, one, you need to talk to your teens. And I think that it's probably across the board with many of the topics that you cover on your podcast. We have to have those lines of communication. So let me start with, if you find that your teen has used a jewel or vaping, you need to understand their whys. Instead of just saying, don't do that, really figure out why they are using it, what's causing it. So it goes back to that psychological health to figure out, is it that they are masking something and it's a larger conversation that they need help with? So understanding their whys is a big, a big deal. Um, the other piece of that is that parents need to tell their teens and 20 somethings that we, they overestimate how many people are actually using it. So they start normalizing something that really hasn't been normalized yet. So um, it, we see it with alcohol as well, um, especially on campus, if we're talking about 20 something, something on campus, we believe more people are binge drinking, we believe more people are abusing drugs, more people are using alcohol and vaping and nicotine than they actually are. But what happens is when we overestimate like that, we think that's the norm. So our small behaviors 
lead us to that to be normal. So we have to figure out a way to tell our teens and 20 something that most likely they are overestimating who's using it. So they need to stop normalizing the behavior. It is not a behavior they need to do. Um, one leather piece I would say as a parent, because I have two children, I have two daughters as well, is that we have to have very clear expectations, very clear, especially when it comes to any product with that can be addictive while their brains are still developing. It is a biological issue. If you do this, we know that your brain can be rewired and you will be addicted. It is not because you're not a strong person or you're a weak person. It is because this is what this chemical is trained to do in a body. It is trained to make you addictive. So we need to set very clear expectations and have an understanding of why you have that expectation of your child. And the next step in that conversation that we've talked about, again, similar types of scenarios where our kids are in social scenarios and things are being brought up is to help give them out, to do a little role playing then on how they can say no, how they can extricate themselves from a situation. And I know one of the one popular way of doing that is giving the kids a texting code that they can send you. So Absolutely. then you just come and pull them out. No question, you know, you- I love that code. I mean, it's such a great communication system between parents and children. I, I'm just going to send you the word, you know, coffee, or I'm going to send you the X. And that means that the parent's either going to call them and say, there's an emergency, I'm picking you up, or the parent just needs to swoop in and come get them. I love that, that code. So that sometimes teens are still struggling with what language system do I use? Because I don't want to be seen uncool, but I really don't want to do this behavior. So they're in a cross between, I don't know the right language system yet. I don't have confidence in what I can say that will still give me my social set, my social, um, where I am socially and keep me healthy. And I think they can get blindsided. They can be with people who they don't expect to have this come up and suddenly it does. And I think it also, by having this conversation up front, as I'm listening to you talk about it, Candy, I'm, you know, from a kid's perspective, it's like, okay, so mom's giving me an out and I'm not going to be in trouble because I was with this group of people. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So knowing, so in the situation, they don't have to worry about how am I going to avoid being in trouble? They can just know that you are there to extricate them from trouble. Right. Right. So that, that still keeps those lines of communication open that this is a conversation we'll have later. I'm just going to pick you up. We'll talk about it later. Are there other things that we need to know about the way our kids are thinking about this or any of the whys? Because I, I know that understanding it does help with these conversations. I think a piece that parents can start under like looking at is understanding like what to look for to see if their child is vaping. Um, some of the, the clear signs are they, this is, some of them seem a little off, but you can like, you can understand the rationale behind them. One, you start getting more nosebleeds. The child starts getting more nosebleeds. Um, and part of it is that vaping dries out the mucous membranes. So um, those, the nosebleeds are more common. You start seeing athletes being winded. 
you start seeing some of these symptoms sound a lot like COVID as well, but they have coughing, they have chest pain, fever, weight loss, nausea, um, diarrhea. Those are signs that they have had, they are starting to use vape. Um, even down to craving more spice and salt. Um, and that was one that was really interesting to our research team that how it changes what you crave and how much you need um, extra to hit some of the just the normalcy that you used to have, like flavorings and so like spice and salt. So I would um, encourage parents to understand what to look for and um, have the conversations if they are thinking their child may be using and having the conversation, even if you think my child's too young to be having the conversation about e-cigarettes, if we know that 550,000 middle schoolers, which is equal to, I think like one in five, let me get my, yeah, one in 20 middle schoolers. So one in five high schoolers and one in 20 middle schoolers are regularly using e-cigarette. It's not too young to start talking about the harmful effects of this addictive product. Well, and it's like everything else that we've, we've taught our kids. We start with smaller conversations and this isn't a one-time thing. We're not going to sit them down one time hit them over the head with all this information and then never discuss it again. Right. Right. I always tell parents, I'm like, use the podcast as an excuse to start the conversation, the podcast in our own ignorance. Like, Oh my gosh, I was listening to, my, to this podcast and they were saying that they have all these flavors and e-cigarettes. I had no idea. Have you heard about that? Do you know about that? Like, that's crazy. How could it be? And let our kids start being the ones to inform us, tell us, teach us about it, and then open and broaden up those conversations as well. And if they don't know anything, great. But we can still have the conversations and we can talk about the, the biology and the physiology and what happens to them and why once could be too much. Or if you've done it already, it doesn't mean that there's not going to be a problem in the future. Right. Well said. So Candy, can you share with us if, you know, if parents have questions, if they want to learn more, I know we're going to put some links to some things in the show notes that you have sent to us that are just too long or convoluted to do on the air. So that'll be in the show notes, both in the podcast players, as well as at mightyparenting.com. But if they had questions or wanted something from you, where could they reach you? Uh, email would be a great way to reach me. And I would love to talk about to any parent, if they had more questions, they can email me at candy, K-A-N-D-I dot walker, again, K-A-N-D-I dot walker at Louisville, L-O-U-I-S-V-I-L-L-E dot E-D-U. So candy dot walker at Louisville dot E-D-U. And that, of course, will be in the, the show notes as well. Thank you so much for sharing this information. I learned so much today, Candy. Well, I thank you for having me. It was a pleasure talking with you today. And Mighty Parents, thank you for being here. If you enjoyed the podcast, as always, I'm asking you to rate, review, and share it. This one's really huge. It's very important. And it's something that as I'm out talking to parents, I find most parents don't know a lot about. 
I didn't. My knowledge was very cursory. So please pass this on to another parent. You know, the more informed we are, the better support we can be for our kids. Thanks for being here with us today. If you're here and you're listening, you are a mighty parent. So you got this and I will see you next week.